Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to Rock Your Life. This is a weekly show about finding your inner rock star, overcoming fear, getting better, and transforming your life into something more amazing than you ever dreamed. We're kicking off with gratitude these days, and I believe that now more than ever, we have to find that. (laughs) Thank you for listening and being with us here. I'm so grateful to be doing this and that you're here. And I also want to just encourage you to write down some things you're grateful for and spend some time in that space today and every day if you're not already. I'm your host, Amy Edwards. I'm a musician, an author, radio host, podcaster, DJ, mom, and I'm a transformational expert and coach. I'm all about rocking life. And you may ask what qualifies me? Well, I'll tell you. I took up music, rock and roll music, and learned the guitar and began to sing around the age of 40. And I'm 47 now. I wrote and recorded and released albums and numerous singles in the last few years. And doing this just pushed me a lot to learn about overcoming fear, getting on stage in my 40s, writing songs, dealing with failure, setting goals, and building habits and embracing true vulnerability. I walk the walk of what I talk in these episodes. I push myself outside of my comfort zone regularly. And while that's hard, it gets easier the more we do it. And all of this has pushed me to awaken my own spiritual journey. And that's something that I just cannot and will not stop working on. I feel called to share what I've learned and what I am learning with others. And that's why we're here, right? Who want to go to the next level in their lives because I do. So if you're interested in stepping into the spotlight more in your own life and getting past obstacles and fear, then great, you're in the right place. We have practical advice for your daily life, for achieving goals, for habit building, and for branding, and for just becoming better in every way possible, because I want us to all get better together. This show is an hour long and divided into four segments with a focus each week. This week, our focus is light. First, I talk about this week's topic and what I've learned Next, I do an interview, and today we're going to talk to Ali Waddell, co-founder of Aluma Ketamine Infusion Clinic. Our third segment is our affirmation segment called Go Aff Yourself with the founder of stickwithit.co, Jill Faulkner. Affirmations are big to me. I say them out loud all the time, so we choose one to work on every week. And fourth, our Build Your Brand, Brain, and Business segment, in which I'm joined by my collaborative partner, Bijou Finney, who's a certified brand consultant and co-owner of Velvet Cartel Content Creation. Bijou and I discuss how the week's subject relates to your brain and your brand, and we cover practical tips and strategies to build your business and take charge of your habits and optimize your brain. And you know, I can vouch that when you really show up to do the work on the topics we discuss on this show, be ready because the universe will show you what you need to learn in order to grow. And growth can be painful, but always remember it's a good thing. We are rocking life, and that's how it go. So let's get it going. Let's rock that light. Light. It's been a strange week. (laughs) If you're listening in real time, it's the week that everything started to stop in the United States mid-March. And I wasn't sure what to say about light that would be both relevant to what we need now and stay relevant down the road when hopefully things change, right? I 
like to add that the segments were recorded over the week as things started to shift. So keep that in mind as you listen. Initially, I was so incredibly excited to do this episode and talk about light. If you've been listening, I've been doing some ketamine therapy treatments that I have mentioned. I just did my third one this week. And the whole reason I even tried it was because I thought that to properly understand and interview Allie, today's guest, I needed to try it and know what it was all about. Well, I was so surprised it pretty much changed my brain. It's wiping out these old thought patterns and healing me in surprising new ways. I'm so incredibly grateful to have just stumbled into this, literally. I was only going to do one treatment, but I'm, it made such a difference that now I'm doing a whole series, which is six. So if you want to learn more about that, I interviewed her also for Austin 360 Radio about more of the business aspect of Aluma, and that is available via podcast on the Best of JB and Crew. And if you're listening to this via podcast and not on the radio, then it is tacked on to the end as well after my ending. So listen for that and you can hear more about that. It's totally worth the listen to learn more, I promise. Anyway, that has been helping me so much. So I'll be talking more about that in next week's episode as well. Overall though, is just clearing out these old thought patterns and loops and freshening up my mind. It's truly helping me with my light. I feel lighter and not so weighed down by repetitive thoughts and the ruminations that I've talked about in previous episodes. So I just finished up one recently, my third treatment, and it was a little strange to do the mental health work of it and allow myself that space to do that in this unusual time that we're living in with the coronavirus. That was there in the back of my mind just a little bit, and I felt funny allowing myself that space, but I surrendered to it, and I was already there, so I might as well, right? And I hope that I can encourage you to meditate and keep doing those self-work habits that we talk about on here, because we need those now more than ever. It's easy to let those slip away when times feel a little dark, but that's when we really, truly need it, when it's hardest to do. At least I'm thinking that and feeling that. Another thing I wanted to address about light and myself (laughs) is that I'm the type of person that never allows anything not to be brought out into the light. Like I get it all out and that is hard to do, but I'm never able to fake it and let things remain not talked about. Like the elephant in the room, I'm the one that's going to say something. (laughs) I can't help it. I have to. I can't not push things into the light. (sighs) And I think it's about truth. And Jill and I kind of get into that today. It's about recognizing the truth, owning your truth, owning your story, and recognizing what's happening right all around us all the time. And also, you know, I talk about this all the time. I strive to be light in all ways. That's an F I say regularly. I really do. I want to be light. I'll say, I am luminous. I am light. What does that even mean? Especially when I talk about this, I struggle with darkness and I have for years. How do we find that light? How do we be the light? That's what we're delving into today as I talk to everyone. But what do I think? I think we go within, which sounds backwards. Bijou put it really well in our segment today, though, when she was talking about it in a business context, but I think it really fits for anything. She said, if it's not coming from within, it's not going to have the tenacity to last. Like, exactly. If we don't cultivate that light within by knowing ourselves and allowing truth to permeate all we do, 
and by spending time to let our emotions be and sit with them, then we will never have that lasting light. At least I don't think so. I don't think it's sustainable if it's not truly coming from within. And we don't have to be shining out in all directions all the time. And maybe now we have these spaces collectively to really spend time working on our own lights and taking care of ourselves. We really have to right now, don't we? Getting pulled into the darkness of fear and anxiety is not going to get us back to shining. Times like that, times like this, really demand that we find that light, that we cultivate it, that we nurture it. The challenge in front of us is to do that, to find the kindness and the light when times look very dark and very grim, when the news threatens to overtake us and maybe we aren't feeling well. Yikes. Take your time to rest and find the light because it is there. It is there for all of us. It's just a matter of getting there and finding it and allowing it and building the habits around it that can help it shine brighter. So today on the interview, we are talking to Ali Waddell of Illuma Ketamine Infusion Clinic. And like I said, her other interview for Austin 360 is tacked on at the end of this as a podcast, or you can find it at the best of JB and crew. And we get more personal about her light journey in the interview today. And her honesty and candor are so refreshing and inspiring. We have to own our stories. Find her at Illuma Clinic on Instagram or online at Illuma.com. And that's Illuma with two M's, I-L-L-U-M-M-A. On Go After Yourself today, Jill Faulkner of stickwithit.co delves into what we need to feed ourselves to feel lighter. We talk to them about hormones. We talk about boundaries and lots more that relates to light. And our affirmation this week is, I step into the light. For me, that means truth. For Jill, it's more physical. And that's very interesting how differently we can interpret those things, right? I'm curious what it means to you. And on Build Your Brand and Biz and Brain today with Bijou Finney, we talk about light and darkness and the cycles that businesses go through. And although we recorded this before the massive shutdowns began here in the U.S. and we were talking about business, I found what she was talking about to be extremely applicable personally with all that's going on and very relevant when I listened back. So let's get to it all, right? Let's get to the interview with Ali Waddell of Illuma Ketamine Infusion Clinic. Here we are, Ali Waddell of Illuma.com, Illuma, Austin's premier ketamine infusion therapy clinic. Yes. Of which I am now a client. And uh, I was just, um, it was just one of those things that came my way, you know, randomly. And uh, someone who is a mutual friend of ours and now working for you hooked us up. And I'm thrilled that she did because uh, Bijou and I went to your one-year opening and I was just really taken with you in particular. And uh, I thought your light is very shiny and I'm kind of getting choked up just thinking about it. Like, um, it just, I was like, what's she doing? You know, and like, um, it was just a really good shine. We're both crying. Oh, it's all right. That's, very <laughs> that's what sweet. we do. I cry all the time on this I show. I do too. <laughs> and you know what? But that's part of it. Our emotions are running higher because we're we're allowing them to, right? Mm-hmm. So we went into your clinic for the one year anniversary, and I was just uh, blown away with you. And I was Bijou was too. And we were like, what? Sh- how do we shine like that? You know, and um, and that is what you're trying to put out in the world. And 
that's why we're talking about light today. And of course, Aluma, you know, I mean, maybe you can touch on it, but I want to talk about your personal experience and the shift that you saw in yourself and that now you're bringing out and, and even how you chose the name Aluma, you know, yeah. and, and how you feel that light. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, first off, thanks for having me. You're so welcome. I'm, I was so excited when Angie introduced us because I've been like stalking you slightly oh, for a while. I and I was know. like, yes, I completely do want to be friends with her. <laughs> we should definitely introduce Oh, I met her. you and I was like, oh, well, you didn't have a choice. So I was like, I, I was like, going to be your friends friend. for sure. <laughs> oh, um, but so, you know, I've been in the world of wellness for 20-ish years here in Austin, um, have always have always struggled with this I was the happiest depressed girl on the planet that's what I always used to call myself I think so many people are like that yeah like I was I mean I was the mascot I was like I was like the outward personification of like joy and weirdness all the time like throughout my life I was raised by an artist I mean that's what, what I do what was the depression part of it you know I think I mean it stems from um I had my mom left when I was 13 for her career and that was very hard. And then I was raised by my father who is the most amazing person on the planet, but also is a manic depressive artist. Wow. Um, And so, you know, it was just very, it was a lot of turmoil and it was a lot of instability and it was a lot of me not feeling like I could be like really show this hard parts of myself and so I became really good at hiding those and masking those and came up with a myriad of unhealthy coping mechanisms which were awesome (laughs) at least I thought drinking and sex being the top two that I really excelled at I'm pretty good at that I've been pretty good at that myself I was like how can I escape (laughs) yeah Food, drinking, and sex. There we go. That pretty much means I never have to have a negative emotion ever again. And so that's what I did. I was just an emotional suppressor. Um, I'm a a master reframer. I can turn any negative event into a positive event within like five seconds in my brain. Wait, how does that look like? What's that look like? So anything bad that happens... Do you know what the Enneagram is? This will be... Sure do. Okay, so I'm obsessed with the Enneagram. I've been studying it for a number of years, and I use it all the time, but I'm a seven, um, with just calls an enthusiast. I think I am too. Of course you are. (laughs) But our master thing that we're really good at is reframing. And so as soon as something happens, no matter what it is, I will realize it's bad, but then I'll be like, but this is a growth moment. So I'm just going to use it as my like power to move forward and just be really, you know, awesome now Mm -hmm. you know and so I just do that all the time but I never really have ever felt any negative emotions I just suppress them so I'd suppress them with food and then I you know I became a personal very high-end personal trainer and I was so aesthetics based but then I developed an eating disorder and so I was bulimic for 15 years while being a personal trainer and trying to pretend like I was trying to make people healthy which I was trying but then I was a bulimic And nobody knew. That was the most amazing thing about that process of my life is I was married. I had, like, my family, and I kept it. Did nobody really know, or did they they actually You know what's interesting? I've actually asked so many people this because I was like, because how I interpreted that was like, is just nobody 
nobody gives a f- like i mean right. seriously like nobody notices that i just like disappear like like my husband that i lived with and i was with for a decade like he never really noticed that i was throwing up yeah, that's a little hard to you swallow know, it's it was no. this very interesting yeah. thing and i think i just i was a really good liar which is a hard thing to come to terms with when you get better is like how good you are at actually deceiving people and how much. Uh, and the other thing is nobody really wants to deal with a person that's messy, Yeah, you know? And so it's real easy to act like you don't know when shit is going wrong with the people that you love, because it's actually much easier to just act like they're fine and take, take their surface, yeah. you know, and not really dig any deeper than that. Um, and I was really good at keeping people at a distance and keeping my illness and my shame and my secrets in this very private part of myself. Like even after I got divorced, I mean, I would be out and everything and everything. And then I wouldn't leave my house for about 36 hours and I would binge and have these horrible SI events and think I was going to kill myself. And then nobody would notice and I would go back out and nobody would even notice I was gone. You know, like, yeah. And by SI, you mean suicidal suicidal ideation. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so that went on for a long time. And so, you know, I did, I coped the way a lot of people do. I changed everything about my life thinking that if I changed everything, you know, you know, got divorced, moved to California, changed my career like ran away if I just was like it's because it was everything else like that was what was wrong everything else was wrong definitely was nothing (laughs) nothing in here nothing that I was doing was wrong you literally (laughs) reframed your whole life oh yeah I was like if I just like do a different thing I'm sure it'll be fine and then very quickly or not very quickly but then you slowly realize over time that in the end it's all you and wherever you go there you are and so I had like my what fourth on my knees moment when I lived in California and just said, this is it, you know, like I'm either not going on. Like I'm either, I'm either done or something has to like drastically change because I, I was, it was, it was terrible. It was really terrible. And so that's, and part of that was owning my story. And so that's a huge part of what I'm very passionate about is people just being very transparent about what's happening with them because you cannot heal unless you're ready to own it. And so people being trying to pull the shame and blame away from mental health is something that I just stand really hard in is that we make mental health be that that's something wrong with you. And it's just a part of being human. There's nobody that gets through this life unscathed. And so you have to just own it and be like, Life is hard. Being a human is really hard. (laughs) Trying to be an adult is really hard. Um, And so I just started talking about my story and through that process really began to heal myself and then was just looking for other tools and other tools. I realized once I moved back to Texas, psilocybin really helped me. Mm -hmm. Like doing psilocybin in a very therapeutic way really helped me really helped me to fully love myself and see where I was still hurting and challenging myself and kind of where my blocks were. And so when my partner um, in the business and in life, Dr. Ken Adolf, he discovered ketamine, he was like, 
listen, I think we should explore this. And he went to a conference and he came home. We're, we're opening a ketamine clinic. I was like, I have no idea what that means or how we're going to do that. Oh, so y'all like committed to opening it before you'd even tried it? Oh, yeah. Never, yourself? never done it. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Never done it. And n- yeah. And I've oh, only this, this worked for myself by myself. I've never even had an employee. And now I have 13 employees. And I'm like, <laughs> I don't know how to do that at all half the time, says all my employees. <laughs> no, usually but, I'm okay. Um, and so we opened, we found a space. And I mean, within two months, we had opened I mean, and oh, it was, that's what you were saying. Cause you were saying you, it was in fall of 2018 and I know you were open by February, 2019. So oh, yeah. it's like, what? So when did you first try? So we camera? were open for like maybe a month and then mm-hmm. me and Ken both went through treatment because we felt the same. We were yeah. like, well, obviously if we're going to give this to people, we got to do it. You got to walk the walk. And so we both went through our six infusion series. I lengthened my out, which I suggest people who are not in the depths of their struggle do. That's what I'm doing for scheduling wise, just in and of itself. It's much easier. Yes. So I did one treatment every week for six weeks. That's about what I'm doing. I did one 10. My second one was 10 days later. And then uh, before this airs, I'll be doing my third. Yeah. Yeah. So I think lengthening them out was really helpful. And for me being kind of an, being very interested in how the brain works. It was just fascinating as a substance to be like, cause the interesting things come up. (laughs) Like you have these very big, like aha moments of what kind of happens. And I had lessons every single time, a big lesson. And we actually hit on this before we started recording was one of my biggest things is trust. I don't trust myself. I don't really trust the universe. I don't really trust anybody. I'm a little bit of like, in the end, I'm going to have to do it for myself. Me too. And like I'm trust and belief. It's like, oof, just power on. Like mm-hmm. I will outwork everyone <laughs> to make to make mm-hmm. it happen. But I'm not really good at that like female energy, like get in touch with your it's all of my body work is always on my left side because my oh, energy, wow. energy worker is like, your female energy doesn't feel comfortable <laughs> in you. I'm like, well, tell her to shut the <laughs> No, I try not to do that. No, I'm trying to get better at that. But that is something that definitely came up. But a lot of it was a trusting and a knowing. And in the infusions, it was the universe showed me, this has all already happened. You already did this. Like it already happened. I'm going to replay it for you. So that you can really surrender into this process and realize that you don't have to, like, try to make it happen because it's already happened. So just get into alignment and do what you everything you've done up until this moment has landed you. My life has made very little sense to everybody on the outside, (laughs) pretty much, especially my parents. (laughs) Because I've had, like, six careers. I've moved all over the place. I've never had a 401K. Like, my mom's like, can you please just get, like, grow up and get a job so I can stop worrying about you? She's been at the same company for, like, 30 years. Um, And only now, since I opened Aluma, does it all make sense. And now I'm 41. And so I'm like, oh, thank goodness. It It did happen at some point. The puzzle pieces fit together. Yeah. And so that really helped. And then it was this... Um, but it yeah. coincided with you doing the work to get to a mental state that is in this flow, that is surrendering. And that's when we do feel like life 
finally makes sense. Yeah. So, I mean, you have to get into alignment. Yeah. Yeah. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. That's where I've been working. I've been working on the surrender. And that this just came along at a time where I was really surrendering to things. And when they come my way, I say yes. And this came my way. And I said yes. And I'm so glad I did because it was a lesson in surrender and um, allowing, you know, my, my mental state to not even grow and develop it's almost like stop you know like my mental state to get to a better flow in the moment oh completely and for me what i what it did and it took me a while to realize because my infusions were actually some of them were challenging hard would be i don't like to use that word it was challenging i'm as i said emotional unpack a suppressor and so it unpacked all my emotions so it for about two weeks, it felt like I was wearing like every hard emotion on the outside of my yeah. body. So it made me kind of hypersensitive. I was crying all the time. It's just not something that I normally felt. But I know myself well enough to go like, I ha- one of my lessons has always been sit in your emotions. And I was like, this is just my lesson mm-hmm. happening for me. <laughs> Thank you. Kind of. <laughs> I know. Kind of. Same here. I'm like, okay, I wanted to let my heart open. Well, here it is. Let's Damn it. do it. <laughs> Brother. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally with you on that. So, yeah, I was really just, I wanted to know then what about after that? Like, mm-hmm. can do you feel like it was that pivotal moment for you? I mean, was it just like, like you had already made a lot of progress to get there before you did it. So what's the difference for you? Yeah, for me... <laughs> I mean, this is hilarious to say out loud, but I've said it to a lot of people. Is most people think I'm really boring now, which I think is very <laughs> funny. Um, How so? Because like, I'm grounded yeah. for the first time in my entire life. I've never been grounded. I'm like a pie in the sky, more and more and more FOMO, every event, all the things, like can't stop, won't stop, and wouldn't stop till I was sick. Like I was that person. Like I would just keep going, and then I would get sick, and I would actually have this wave of relief that I was sick so I could stop. That's a touch of manic right there, like your dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. all day long. Mm-hmm. And this is the first time in my life where I'm completely grounded. I don't have to prove things to people. I don't feel like I have to show up in a certain way. I'm just who I am. And the other thing, which is the weirdest part, is it silenced my inner bitch for the first time in my entire life. And I didn't. I don't even know how to... It took an adjustment to figure out how to function without her because she's been in my yeah, head for such so a habit. long. Same here. My yeah. my negative self talk is a horrible broken record that I have had a horrible time of letting go on and of, and I've been working on it for years. Yeah, and uh, now suddenly it's like better, and I'm like, huh? And <laughs> and you know, you said the boring thing. These are like old habits that we're used to, and that part of it is pretty weird because we get entrenched in those. So do you, did you have any moments where you're like, who am I now? Oh, yeah. I had that for about six weeks afterward. A very big reframe of like, am I? Because I had been shifting how I was anyway. And so now it's like just solidified that. And it's not only old habits that I had to get used to. People are used to treating you in a way right. of who you were. Well, not only that, they like knowing who you are, putting you in the, your category. And yeah. then they're like, okay, fine. That makes sense. Yeah. Let me move on. Yeah, yeah. You're my fun entertainment person. Yeah. Like I was that person. Like I was like, you come to the party, you'll drink and you'll be fun and you'll mm-hmm. entertain us all. Why aren't you doing that? Yeah. Cause I'm not your monkey. <laughs> <laughs> Did you quit response. drinking? 
I actually had already like pretty much changed my relationship with alcohol before that. So for about the last three years, I'd really shifted that because I was a very heavy drinker, very heavy, not categorized as as having a problem drinker. I was the exact same. Just kind of like consistent drinker. Yeah. Like mildly hungover for 20 years. I'm not sure that's (laughs) super awesome. But, you know, just a slight tinge. Yeah. Um, And so, and it's not that I don't drink anymore. It's just that I've completely shifted that relationship with alcohol. And the longer and farther I get away from how I used to be, the less interested I am in it. And so I will have a glass of wine sometimes with dinner, but now I legitimately have a drink maybe once every two months now. I mean, it's gotten like longer and longer. And like me, when I see my sister, we'll have a glass. But it's like I maybe have one glass of something and I'm just by the end, I'm not even interested in having a second one. And that actually is a big unknown known and unknown side effect of ketamine. Some people come in actually for alcohol and uh, dependence issues. It's an amazing thing to help break those rumination loops of addiction. So it's a really great treatment for addiction. But even for people similar to me who are just kind of normal daily-ish drinkers. Right here. Having a realization that you're just not not craving it anymore is a very interesting, like, people come in, they're like, you know, I haven't had a drink in a week. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like, why is that? They're like, I just don't feel like I want one. And it's when you deal, when you realize that you're actually drinking to deal with your emotional state, but you've told yourself you're doing it to be social. (laughs) It's just this interesting thing when you're like, maybe I don't actually want it. Yeah. You know, and so it's same here. That, that's what I've been experiencing just this year. So it's been a super interesting ride all the way around. Well, let's touch on before we go yeah. a little bit about the light and dark part of it. Yes. So did you feel called to name it something about light? Because when you're having the experience, it's not particularly light. light. <laughs> so I've, I've been like, because I made myself this meditation that I talk about in the intro where I was like, you're filled with golden light. And then I was like, I'm actually seeing just a, like a darkness and a hole. And I was like, okay, but whatever. So tell me a little bit about your thoughts on that. Yeah, we had had this. um, I had always, it's something that I used to say to clients all the time about shining your light and how important Mm -hmm. that is for each of us as humans to figure out whatever that light source is within you. And that over time, just years of trauma and issues and living life, it just starts to put these like layers filters on you and it just becomes dim filters on your light yeah. yeah if you don't clean that shit off it just gets dimmer and dimmer and dimmer and so um it feels like what this does is kind of squeegee that off so that you can shine again and so it was just we kind of riffed on that with our branding person and came up with the luma I and then we it. put an extra m in it just to confuse everybody i think it makes it unique <laughs> no it's good because then, then you know and then you the can be one. part of the illuminati which is what we call our patients I'm so into that <laughs> by the way that was the, the, they gave me a t-shirt and i was like oh i want the triangle that says <laughs> illuminati hello um it's beautiful and i want to just say thank you so much for sitting down is there anything you'd like to add before we go Uh, no, I mean, I would, if you're at all interested, we have a lot of great studies and articles and everything about Aluma on our website. Um, we also do complimentary consultations and you don't need a doctor's recommendation to come in. So if you feel like 
you know, you're ready to not be struggling or even if you're doing well and you're looking for something to help you break through into that next level of performance or optimization, it's an amazing tool that's available right here in Austin, Texas. And it takes like an hour. It's, I, it really <laughs> it's does. Really and it's, it's, I mean, it is mind blowing. So anyway, I just uh, thank you so much, Allie. You're I'm welcome. so glad we got to share about this today yes. and about your journey with it too, which mm. is so meaningful. So um, anyway, thank you. You're welcome. Rock thank your you. light and uh, check them out at Illuma.com. That's Illuma with two M's. Jill. Hi. I know. I'm I'm sorry. Hello. (laughs) I mean, now we've come to expect it. I know. Um, Our greeting. So (laughs) we are talking about light. Yes. Okay. How are you feeling about that? So my initial thought was feeling light, like not bearing the burden and feeling like I'm not carrying the world on my shoulders. Yes. So light right now really resonates for me, not having a lot on my plate really taking time to myself, for myself, um, to kind of replenish and uh, feed myself the way that I need to be fed so that I don't feel heavy. That's true. You know, there's a lot about um, what you eat, too, about um, high-vibe foods and, uh, like, things that weigh you down. Yeah, but I didn't even, when I say feed myself, too, it's like feeding myself uh, with a book. Yeah. Like all Saturday afternoon or all, you know, it's like Rather waking up phone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, but also too feeding myself when it comes to what I'm putting in my body and feeling heavy that way. But, um, so it, it runs across the, the board. There's metaphors all over the place. There are metaphors all over the yeah. place. I think that's why I like that word so much. I'm a big fan of that. Mm-hmm. Like love and light and all that. Just yeah. like oh, the concept of like being filled with a light. Mm-hmm. Makes me happy. Yeah. And then being that light for other people, giving that light to other people, like mm-hmm. helping like their way. Um, so it, it is a, a multifaceted concept. 100%. Yeah. So. Where does it resonate most for you? You know, lots come up around it. And this obviously we're recording early. So this week is just starting for me. But because um, I get real focused on mm-hmm. abundance or the week before. So um, I think that... For me, you know, it's been very, very related to this ketamine therapy that I've been mm. doing. And the places, you know, the our interview with Allie today is uh, centered around that. And so I think I've been thinking about it from that place. And that's why it came up for me because their slogan is find your light. And so oh. it's just um, thinking about those light and darknesses that can that can weigh on us mm-hmm. exactly what you said i mean it's just a different way of saying it i feel like um it's 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 looking at it like light light and darkness is within and that is what those burdens are that can be heavy or light yeah and i uh i feel that way over the last few days um but this is also related to like my you know period and the emotional roller coaster that i'm <laughs> yeah. always on um but i it is like Sometimes in a five-minute span, I I am light, I am airy, I feel great, and then it goes to the darkness. Yeah. And then it finds its way to the light again. And sometimes that's really challenging to, I I don't want to say deal with, because I'm not dealing with it. I'm trying to find compassion and understanding within myself of like, this is, I know this is how it goes. 
mm-hmm. happens every month for the last however many years. <laughs> uh, it has shifted a bit, but um, just when you say the light and, and the darkness, that's where I feel it for me. Yeah, that's frustrating the too. up and down of yeah, it's uh, like hormones, the emotions. Yeah, ugh, hormones affected and all yeah. this, and it's frustrating because it's not like you have full control over those things. Yeah. So I think another thing that comes to me with light is something about clarity. Mm. Mm. Oh, that speaks to you. Mm-hmm. And um, that when you were saying that about, you know, feeling different things with your hormones or monthly cycle, like I think that that came up for me just around like you can feel f- foggy or something Absolutely. like that. And there's... um. It's funny how many analogies we have for this. Yeah. I didn't even think about that till we're sitting here. Cloudy, foggy, you know, dark, light. I mean, like, seems like we talk about it a lot without even realizing it. Yeah. Because even, like, you're, you use a flashlight to see things clearly in the dark. Yes. Light. Right. The sunlight. Shine a light on it. Yeah. Um, I, love, I love that around clarity because I don't know if I've ever thought of light in that way. Mm-hmm. You know? I think that... Um, the the more light I shine like throughout myself, the more clarity I get and the more I live in the light and am willing to be really honest mm-hmm. in all ways, the the lighter I get and the more clear I get. And then the brighter your light shines. Yep. Yeah. I hope so. That's what I'm going for. I think so. I'm going to shine as bright as I can. Yeah. Because once we remove the burdens of what is usually other people's stuff. Yeah. Then there's room for us, for our stuff, which we have control over, which we can manage better than when we have everybody else's burdens on us. What do you mean by everybody else's burden? Oh my gosh. Well, at least for me, it's just taking on other people's feelings, like other people's tasks, feeling like I have to fix it. Like like I was doing earlier today before we started recording this? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's like you're taking on all this other stuff, emotions, problems. Even if you don't have an action step that you take for somebody else's problem, if you're thinking about it and if you're ruminating on it, um, it's still weighing on you and it's not your problem to fix. No, it's not. Yeah. So once we remove all of the other things, then there's us. And then what we also find too, I think, is it's not that bad. We don't really have a lot of, a lot of problems. No, we really at, at least don't. for me, I realize when I remove all the stuff, it's like, oh, I'm good. Yeah, like I'm gonna let I'm gonna let my light shine. Well, it's just it, that weird thing because you feel like if you are letting your light shine, oh wait, shouldn't I be worried about this or worried about this? Yes, you know, because we live habit. We live in a place in a culture of society, our own minds, where at least I don't know. Maybe I'm just taking this on because not everybody lives like this. Um, but the, the guilt associated with, like, if you don't have compassion, you're seen. Oh, like if you're just skipping a, through life and all, all uh, like whatever, Holly Golightly, whatever, I don't know what I'm trying to say, but like yeah. skipping through life, uh, like la la la, you're not paying attention and feeling the pain of the world or something. I, I, I don't know. And I guess I'm trying to find my light and clarity and what I'm saying. Um, <laughs> yeah. Uh, it's, I feel like I have to bear the burden in order, oh, here's something interesting. Okay. Okay. In order for people to need me or to like me, 
I've got to care about their problems. Uh And that, like, I think that's why I've probably put so much of myself for, like, forth for other people. So, is so that they need me and that they like me so I can be loved. Yeah. But there's a difference between caring about their problems and taking them on as, as burdensome. Right. And I am working through that difference and setting that boundary of being able to care with a boundary in place so that I'm not stepping into their problems. I'm just on the other side of that line caring yeah. and having compassion in a way that doesn't make their problem my problem. Hmm. And it's challenging because for most of my life, I've been fully entrenched in it. And now I put the boundary. And I'm putting that in the context of before we got on the air, I told you about something that was weighing on me that really isn't my problem. Yeah. But I felt like I was sort of a ancillary cause of it, but I'm not. No. So um, that's interesting. What you, everything you just said, like, it's really not my problem. I do care but that ba- putting that boundary in place. Yeah. And, and two, hmm. I try to approach it as if um, like you're giving them the opportunity to step up into their own light to solve their problems. Yeah. Like yeah. If, if I keep solving people's problems, they're never, and then I, they're never going to solve their own problems. And honestly, that's a recipe for like resentment too. I right. Think. I, I was mm-hmm. just going to say that. You were? Yes. Because then they keep coming to me and then I will resent that. But that's what I wanted. I brought that Not only would you resent them, but they'd resent you. I was thinking. Eventually. That, yes. I was thinking the person whose problems you're solving eventually probably becomes resent. Yes. Because then mm-hmm. when you, when I finally put the boundary in place, they're like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, what do you mean you're not going to help me or whatever? Yeah. But I, so I try to look at it from letting letting their own light come through. They can do this, of course they can. Of course they can. Then fix their problems. Yeah, and and rise to the challenges that they're facing. They don't need me. I wanted them to need me. We all we all want them to need us. Yeah. Well, you know that's like a we just do that, and uh, that's that's codependency. Yeah, yeah. And um, and it wasn't letting me be there for people in a way that I wanted to be. Right. For more people in lighter ways, in the sense of um, holding the door for someone. Not that I wouldn't hold the door for someone if I was bearing the burden of a close friend's problem. Yeah. Like, I'm still going to hold the door, but it allows me to be more present doing little things for strangers and other people and spreading more love that way than it is to hold all that for one person in a codependent negative way. Very interesting. Does that make sense? Very well. Yes. It's super well put, too, and it really speaks to me because, you know, even just this little problem that I brought into this today, I can feel how it takes me out of the moment mm-hmm. in any interactions. And anytime we're, we're doing that or worried about something or have this thing like clouding us or nagging at us or pulling, it's, uh, it's going to uh, take us out of the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where we're at. I don't know how we got there, but we did. Yeah, but I, but I think, um, I, I think it does. It all goes back to what we, how we started. We would, you know, yeah. like with the light and the darkness, yes. because, you know, feeling light for for me, feeling light looks like putting foods in my body that make me feel good, and I don't feel heavy or weighed down by, or they're not affecting me negatively. When I feel light. 
I feel more capable and confident being in the world, being myself in that world, and being the light for other people. Yes. Beautiful. So what's our app today? Gosh. Um, I step into the light. Ooh. We've done I am light, but I kind of like I step into the light. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe making it a choice. I don't know. I like I'm filled I, with light. What do you think? I like I step into the light because it looks like stepping into the light of just who you are and being the light. Mm-hmm. I step into the light is I, I step into clarity. Ooh. Right. I step into the light of, of clarity. Yeah. Um, I step into the light of, you know, uh, physical um, activity, like, stepping into like just taking a step into the sunshine and going for a walk right (laughs) um or stepping into the light of nourishing food i like it as i step into the light of truth you know um, that one has been big for me and coming up a lot even in just the smallest interactions i might have mentioned this on the show somewhere along the way but uh it's a lot of words to remember (laughs) (laughs) and we're only 16 17 episodes in um so but even just with small text exchanges i've really delved into taking a moment and trying to answer trying to say things as honestly as possible Mm -hmm. and that's been an interesting exercise yeah so i love that stepping stepping into the light of truth and just i think stepping into just who we are and, and more of that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, good. Ooh, I like this one. I really, um, do, have you been exercising these each week when we do them? What I remember too. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not great about it on it to be I, truthful. Since, you know, since we take those little videos and I make you write them, yeah. I really use them and I keep them on my altar. So I've really been Well, that's because you keep them. I guess I'll just have to start making copies for you myself. You do. You need to. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And uh, I would encourage anyone to pick up one of your packs for sure. They can still order them online, right? Yeah, we have some of the versions yes. uh, available. Yeah. So at stickwithit.co. Um, they're really fantastic for me and so uh i they're they've kind of taken over my bathroom and mirrors and so um anyway i would just encourage people to go to stickwithit.co and do that oh, so thank you. thank you again jill um i i step into the light i love that i'm stoked about spending a week on this one mm-hmm. yeah oh my gosh imagine all the places that that you'll find i know just to step into the light i mean and, and you know I, I talk about this a lot um it doesn't have to be a massive action, massive piece of, you know, anything. It could be a really small way yeah. that you step into the light. Yeah. So beautiful. All right. You guys go after yourselves. Indeed. <laughs> Today, we're talking about <laughs> rocking your light in your brand, in your biz, in your brain. So when, let's see, we, I'm going to open it up to you first. I, I had some things that came up about business and brand and stuff and light, but what is on your mind? Um, so, oh, and this is Bijou Finney, of course, of Velvet Cartel hello. and brand consultant. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I was uh, for a minute struggling with this one. I was writing notes about what thoughts I had on it. Well, it's it. easy in a context of like, you know, brain or your soul or spirit, but it's harder in a context of business. I had to kind of give it a thought too. Well, no, not necessarily hard to come up with it. Hard oh. to, um, I think lately I've been focusing on being okay with the darkness 
Ooh, okay. So, You're turning this around because I, w- I had some questions about darkness. So, so I think I've noticed lately that um, when when some people count on me for the light that I typically like will bring them because I'm happy to see them. I'm happy to work with them. I'm happy to be around them. Um, like Drew, for instance, and some of my clients, there's been some days when I've had some dips because of like either hormones or mood, whatever it is, um, that they get really upset when my, when I don't show up with my light. Oof. And I feel like that's a lot of pressure on it my is. light. You're not, the, you're not their light supplier. Yeah. Supply your own light. Well, I guess they get really worried that it's maybe something that they're doing or they wonder what, what's up. So I know that they're doing it out of just like care. But um, I started noticing that the more that I've been focused on figuring out my darkness, it is easier for my light to shine. So I felt like there was this... I couldn't talk about light without talking about darkness on this show today. Well, that's actually was my first question was like, when do you feel dark and when does your business feel dark? I immediately went there, too. And um, I think that we have to address shadow and Mm -hmm. darkness and maybe where we're not shining light. Is it about is the darkness like about the darkness or is it about shining light on those spots? Yeah, so I had so many thoughts when it came to light and dark with my business. Um, so, for for instance, there, the book that I'm reading right now um, is talking about like nature and how there are springs and winters, and we have to understand that all animals and all plants and all natural beings have to be able to go into a, like a lull, like they don't have to be cycles. Yeah, they don't have to go hard, happy high energy all the time because that's literally like how you could end up in an early grave. And so there are lulls in my business where we might shoot a lot and then we have like this editing, right? And you have to like switch brain. You have to switch your energy. You have to go from high energy to focused energy. And um, with some of our clients, we'll have them, a lot of bad stuff will come up. Like we're getting spotlights shined on some of the bad things in in the world and then sometimes with like some of our clients they're this shiny ray of hope that I have Mm -hmm. and I feel like I have to have that balance because um, if you only live in light you feel like everything's fine and dandy and you don't really pay attention to what is actually like lurking in the dark but if you're only around the dark and you're trying to expose it all the time like with the sex trafficking um, client that we have that helps with that, the refuge, if I just knew all of their stats and I only focused on what they're trying to, the message that they're trying to get out, even though it is a message of hope because they're helping people, the the videos that I have to make are pretty compelling to get people to help and sometimes they can be really sad. And if I only focused on that, then I'd probably lose faith in humanity. Um, But then... There's like other clients that we have, like Icon, who is really bringing a lot to the table, and they're a shiny ray of of light to so many people. But it's just so interesting to me that that this light and darkness thing has been on my mind for a month now. And then when you wanted to talk about it, I was like, how do I even wrap my mind around this? Yeah, it is. It's kind of big, and and like when you said, you know, people want to stay in that space all the time rather than cycle through it. I think like. No matter what you're talking about, it's a little 
scary. Like, that's why you just want to stay up or stay living in that space. But it doesn't work that way. We have to have both. Um, We can experience some resistance Mm -hmm. around allowing those spaces to exist and allowing ourselves to be in them, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I feel like... um, even on social media, when I'm doing it for my business or for me, I feel really compelled to share and I feel like I want to share stories. I want to connect with people. And there are times where I just like want to go away and I don't want to focus on that. And I don't want to like connect with people as much because um, I need to give my myself a little bit of a break. Mm-hmm. And I feel like you lose momentum when you do that and you lose some of the connections that you have with people. And so then I struggle with like, Am I supposed to be this, like, shiny ray of hope for people sometimes? Or is it okay if I, like, talk about dark things that I want to talk about? Or is it okay if I completely go away? Yeah, I think it's all okay. And it's all a part of, like, honoring your own light, Mm -hmm. maybe. Even when you just need to focus on reigniting it in some way. Yeah. I'm trying to stay with the metaphor. Yeah. Yeah, you know? Um What are your thoughts on light? I have a ton of thoughts on light. (laughs) But shifting gears into something that I talk about in the intro is like I am the type of person that pushes things into the light all the time, like uh, on a communication level. And I don't I'm not good at at not talking about things when they're there. You know, I tend to just push them out. And where I was wondering where you find that yourself doing that in your business. Oh, my God. I mean, because I'm the I think that's seeker. a little touchier when you're looking at it through a business lens, you know, rather than personal. I mean, I I think I was made for the role that I have right now, just because I am and have always been this like truth seeker. Let's bring it up to the light. Let's talk about it. Let's see it from a different perspective. Mm-hmm. I do that with people's brands all the time, and I also have a different perspective and standard when it comes to content and storytelling so with a lot of my clients they'll be like oh yeah that looks fine and I'm like no 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 I want this to look great and sometimes they just like don't want to go there or I'll have to tell them something about their brand that they don't necessarily like they never thought of because they thought it was totally fine but then if you think about it in regards of who's consuming their brand then you have to like tweak it a little bit and I explain to them how and some people are very receptive to that and some people are not Mm -hmm. like a lot of people want to live in la la land and they want to keep everything that they want in the light but everything else in the dark and it bring makes (laughs) them very uncomfortable to bring it up into the light Mm-hmm. I mean, I've literally sat in meetings with people and watched them just start to squirm when you start bringing, but what about the time that this happened or when a cons- consumer said this or what if they were to think that? Yeah. And they're just like, oh my God, why do you think that way? And I'm just like, because it's real life. It is real life. And it's so, oh, you just brought some stuff up for me because it's so easy to just kind of push it out of the way. And like, I'll do, I've done that. Oh, it just came up like wh- the times that, I don't want to watch a video I've been in to improve my performance. Or you know how you go mm-hmm. back and watch, you go back and look, and a lot of times you don't want to look at that. Mm-hmm. You have to or you're not going to improve and get better. I think it's a balance. I think that you can't just um, not ever do it, but also right. if you start obsessing about it and you don't progress because you 
like kind of paralyze yourself based on this one time you had a weird performance. So I don't know. I feel like it's this weird muscle that you have to. I completely agree with that. But you do have to um, acknowledge that it's there and how people might perceive it and how you can improve in your own business. Mm -hmm. Right. Yeah. So my light has always been um, either. I don't know. I don't know if it's because of my voice and the way that I carry myself, but when I'm trying to be a good light to people, I seem uh, a little bit happy and young and like just bright and not necessarily like strong. And so I've been trying to change what my light looks like with how I present myself and how I speak and the things that I say. And and so it's all light, but I want it to be a different light now. I understand that. I get what you're saying because it feels almost forced when you're trying to be something for someone else Mm -hmm. instead of really building it from within and Mm -hmm. then it comes out naturally. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, completely. Do you think that, I mean, I was was just, I'm sure there's not probably one key to light in your brand and business do you think it's communication I mean I was thinking it might be learning as well but what good is learning without implementation but I think maybe communication is is that key I think light is um, typically from connection and and Mm. so when you're connecting with people that means that it's typically in a way because people are seeing stuff all the time they have their own crap to deal with the news is pretty bleak and so uh, on a brand perspective they want to connect and they either want to connect in a way that sparks joy or sparks interest or sparks intrigue like there there's got to be the connection and the connections typically that aha light moment mm-hmm. that they get from seeing your stuff so whether it is your aesthetic and they love the way that your photos and your graphics look or from what you're talking about or the cause that you give to when they brought by your product like okay, that's so the light taking that back then how do you get there is it authenticity you know is mm-hmm. it like is it what we were just saying about personally is it building that light inside yourself and then letting it shine out I mean it's that because you're not going to get to that point of the joy and all that kind of stuff and what you were just talking about in the connection unless you have a very clear picture of you know what your brand is and you shine the light all around there and one interesting thing that you've done this is an aside from what I was just saying but like you have really worked on knowing every aspect of your business which is about shining light too, you know, including all your taxes and all your everything, which I find very impressive as someone who's had a business and it's really hard to do. Yeah, I think I think it's really trying to understand everything that you are and then trying to put it out there, right? So I had to understand diving deep into what I loved about my business, what I learned through my business that I could offer someone. I think that it has to come through to true authenticity because if you don't and you're just trying to force something like you're trying to force a greater good or a certain persona it's if it's not coming from within Mm -hmm. it's not going to have the tenacity to last the the length that it needs to for people to believe that it's true like tom's for instance like if he had just kind of like not really cared about 
the the mission, but he kind of just added it to it to sell more shoes, then he wouldn't have turned into like the the big, big, big brand that he was. And I can tell so many times when people come to me that they had this idea and they're trying to market it and then they just slap like some type of greater good thing to it and it's disconnected and they don't really speak from the heart about that kind of stuff. And I'm like, no, no amount of editing I can do can help this. Like, <laughs> <laughs> right. you, you need to like actually it's, care right. about, it's about this. that authenticity first and then honing that message into your brand and business. Right. Mm-hmm. And and then still keeping it fully authentic. If you want it to be a light for the for the masses. Which isn't that the goal? I mean, don't we? Yeah. Some, yeah. I mean, some some brands, I mean, most brands. Yes. Yeah. But I don't think that all brands want to be like a beacon of light to everyone. <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> I don't know if I want to be around those brands. <laughs> All right, so we're about out of time. Uh, anything else that we forgot or anything that you want to share at the end? Mm. Just that it's okay if you're not all bright and shiny every day. I agree. But don't get stuck in a rut either. Yeah. Balance. Balance. I love that. <laughs> Balance Thank your you. light. <laughs> yeah. All right, follow Bijou. Uh, I'll have all the links up, velvetcartel.com or velvetcartel on Instagram and Story by Style on Instagram. Thank yeah. you. Yeah. <laughs> All right, y'all, there's a resource roundup of what we covered on my blog at amyedwards.com slash blog. Go there for links for things that we mention. And I'll also have a link up to the interview from Austin 360 Radio with Ali to learn more about Aluma. Thank you so much to everyone today, especially to Ali Waddell. Uh, remember, she is at Illuma Clinic on Instagram or illuma.com, I-L-L-U-M-M-A. Thank you also, of course, to our regular Rock Your Life contributors, Jill Faulkner. Find her at stickwithit.co or at stickwithit.co on Instagram. Find Bijou Finney at Velvet Cartel or at Story by Style, Story X Style on Instagram. And remember what Allie said today. This is all a part of being human. There's nobody that gets through this life unscathed. And we can own it. And we can begin to heal ourselves and find our light and let it shine. And we can, even in dark times, most of all in dark times. If you'd like to share your thoughts with me, I would love to hear from you. So write to me, amy at amyedwards.com. That's easy. Let me hear what you think or connect with me on Instagram at realamyedwards. And don't forget, please rate and review and subscribe on iTunes. Share with a friend, please. Sometimes that happens and it surprises me and just makes me feel so incredibly grateful. It really does matter. I'm really grateful for this and for you. So thank you. This has been Rock Your Life with Amy Edwards. Listen up after this for that further interview with Allie from Austin 360 Radio. And just thank you so much for listening, y'all. Mega peace and love right now. We need it. Till next time. Austin 360 Radio, I'm Amy Edwards. And welcome today, Allie Waddell. Thank you for coming. Oh, I'm so happy to be here. Are you? you, Of course. Thank you. I'm so excited. Well, you are one of the owners of Illuma, which is the ketamine infusion clinic here in Austin, Texas. The premier ketamine infusion clinic in Austin, Texas. Don't forget premier. Because I was kind of surprised. I haven't really been hearing about this. And you were having your one year anniversary when it finally came on my radar. We were, yeah. We opened February of 2019, so we just celebrated a year. Uh, There actually are about three ketamine clinics in Austin right now. Well, I went down kind of a rabbit hole, (laughs) 
looking around Texas for them because I've tried it now since I'm interviewing you for the Rock Your Life show this week. And I, I wanted to try it to know what it was like. And then I wanted to recommend it to my sister. So I started looking around and there's so many more than I expected. Like, that's why I'm really glad that we're sharing this right now because I think people are curious about it. And so I just wanted to share some more information because I, the biggest question I've gotten is like, wait, that's legal. <laughs> that's probably our number one question is, Oh, I had no idea that was legal. Oh, is that a horse tranquilizer? Right. I get, And I also get, do you have to be referred by a doctor? Which you don't. Which you don't. This is like, it's all mind-blowing that this is, it's accessible. It is, especially in Texas. Oh, why is that? Yes. Uh, so Texas, we have this really amazing law, uh, a little bit of our libertarian history with uh, kind of let people live their lives. And so in Texas, as long as a drug has been deemed safe by the FDA, so ketamine is a anesthesia. It has been used since Vietnam, so close to 60 years. And it's been used in the mental health space for about the last 20 years. It's only now gaining popularity, but it's one of the safest drugs known to man. So uh, the World Health Organization calls it a must-have drug for every country on the planet. Because it's Whoa. so safe. So it's the most used anesthesia in the world. Um, yeah, my sister was asking, well, what are the side effects? What is the downside? And I was like, zero. I was like, I, I, there isn't one. Yeah, nausea at time of treatment for some people, but very similar to other anesthesia. So Which, if you've gotten anesthesia, but we have amazing nausea medicine. So right, you, you actually put that in. <laughs> I don't even have any. So you don't even have it anymore. Um, and so for about the last 20 years, what they, it ended up, being discovered in the veteran organization um, because they were treating burn victims for pain because as an anesthesia, it helps with pain a lot. And so they would have people that had massive burns and they would treat some with morphine and they would treat some with ketamine. And then they noticed this huge group of soldiers was not having PTSD. And this was 20 plus years ago. Mm -hmm. And so they went back and they were like, well, why would that be? That doesn't make any sense. And it was all of the patients that have gotten ketamine for pain treatment. And, and when they were getting it for pain treatment, were they having like this dissociative experience or anything? Well, it was for emergent pain. So they were getting a little higher doses. So it was a little more of like a heavier dose. So you were feeling so like a high, pretty yeah. loopy, but... I mean, imagine having burns over 60 yeah. to 80% of your body. Supposedly, it's probably the worst pain you can have as a human. Yeah. Um, and so now the research went back, and now it's been used for now close to 20 years in mental health. And what they found is um, in sub-anesthetic doses, so you're not asleep, you're cognizant. I'm not saying you're having, like, super intelligent conversations while you're under treatment. Yeah, but I know where but I am. But you're there. Mm -hmm. there's, a med there's a paramedic with you in the room at all time. They can, you know, you can talk to them. You can get up. You can walk around if you needed to. Um, but what they found in sub-anesthetic doses is it helps with a wide, wide range of chronic mental health and breakthrough issues so everything from anxiety to depression to ptsd ptsd to ocd to eating disorders to kind of breakthrough mindset shifting to reprogramming anything where you're stuck in a looping or kind of a that's what mine is yes when you said ruminations when i met you i was like this is for me 
because that's <laughs> what I suffer from. And I it had just come on my radar like two weeks before that I realized that that's what it's called. Mm-hmm. I didn't know. And now it, I've only done two. And now it's pretty much gone. Mm-hmm. Pretty much gone. Yeah. I'm so amazed and I'm like your biggest cheerleader right now. I mean, I think I'm just so glad to be able to share this because I keep talking about it and I'm like, yeah. So um, how did you even start doing this? Like, did you like what? Very weird. What happened? It really? (laughs) Yeah. Well, a little. Um, I've been in in wellness in Austin for about 20 years. Um, Everything from physical training to nutrition to lifestyle coaching And then my partner in life and in business, Dr. Ken Adolf, is a cardiac anesthesiologist. Both of us separately before we had met had struggled with our own being a human issues. Mine more on the depressive tendency, had a raging eating disorder in my 20s and 30s. Him more on the type A driven anxiety disorder. You know, hyper control your life because that's how you can be (laughs) successful. And I am a doctor and I control everything. Um, and so we had both struggled with those things and, you know, Western medicine hadn't really worked like all of tons of therapy, some, some meds, some not meds, you know, like trying to just figure out what are the tools in our toolbox that could help us stay healthy and happy. And, um, you know, so we started doing some research. Ken uses ketamine every single day in the hospital as an anesthesia every day. Mm-hmm. And so he started getting, you know, he gets like anesthesia newsletters. <laughs> At first I was like, wait, he's taking it? What, no, 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 no he's sorry. giving it yeah, to people it, who are going sleepy night night. <laughs> right. Um, so he was getting these anesthesia newsletters like he always mm-hmm. does. And there was these stories starting to come out of using ketamine for mental health treatment and breakthrough treatment. And um, so the first annual um Ketamine Physicians of America conference was actually here in Austin two years ago. So in the fall of 2018. And so we had just started kind of looking at it. And he's like, I'm just going to go to this conference. Let's see. The studies are fascinating. Let's just go. I'll just go and see if it's really what it's cracked up to be. And he went and it was like the universe just Poking put you in that direction. Yeah, yeah, just put us right exactly where we needed to be. He ran into a nurse uh, physician's assistant that he knew from the hospital. He heard all these stories, and he was like, "If this is, if this does half of what they're saying it does, we have to, we have to do this." He goes, "This is going to change mental health treatment as we know it. It is going to flip it on its head, and this is just the beginning of what's going to be called the psychedelic wave of mental health treatment." Ketamine, chills. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Ketamine is not actually psychedelic. It's what's called dissociative. So it's slightly different, but it has a psychotropic effect on the brain similar to other psychedelics. And so, you know, coming down the pike now is MDMA will be next for the treatment of PTSD. It's in stage three FDA trials. That's one to two years down the road. Psilocybin is next. The line on that one, depending on who gets in office, <laughs> well, maybe three to five years, but it's also coming yeah. because it's it, it changes. It's changing people's brains in a very yeah. positive way with very, very low side effects. And all three of those medications do that. And so at Aluma, ketamine is just the first of the tools that we hope to offer moving forward But it works for almost everybody. It works almost immediately, and it has almost zero side effects. And there is nothing else that we have that does that and offers relief in this way for people. And we're at at crisis point. 
for mental health in the United States. Yeah, we are. I mean, we've the, neglected it for so long, and yeah, yeah. I mean, for for a million reasons, but the rampant right of suicide, especially in young people, the, which you know is very closely tied, I think, to you know, I'll, social media and comparison culture mm-hmm. and that kind of thing. That, and yeah. uh, how young can people get this? So we're, as you can imagine, we're very cautious with pediatric or teen patients. Mm-hmm. We have had patients as young as 14. Those have to be pretty extreme cases. That girl, she had tried to kill herself seven times by the time she'd walked into our clinic. Oh, that makes me almost cry. <laughs> I mean, it, it's hor- it's it was terrible, you know? Yeah. I mean, Dell had literally turned her away and said, there's nothing else we can do for her. Oh, my God. I mean, that's where it was. And her mom was at a breaking point and said, can you please, ha- like, I don't know what else to do. What happened? She's a, she, did a, she did great. <laughs> she did amazing. You know, she was self-harming every single day. She's, she was a foster to adopt child. She had been tortured. As a child, as an infant. And she's better now? And she's doing much better. She's back in school. She hasn't self-harmed. She was drinking. She stopped drinking. She hasn't. I I don't know in the very recent, but she had gone three plus months without an SI attempt, which for her was the longest. Wow. Um, And so we've had a number of teen patients, but it... It's just that we ha- we are very controlled around that space, so it has to be. They have to be plugged into almost daily therapy. They have to be a group therapy. There has to be psychiatrists. Like there's a lot that goes into dealing with patients of that severity level, adult or teen, but especially when it comes to young people. But we do have young people that their parents bring us and say, "We're we've tried everything, and we're terrified we're about to lose our child," and and that happens up until early 20s. I mean, we have a lot of 18 to 24-year-olds who parents bring them in and say, failure to thrive, suicide, alley. Well, that's a huge uh, time for people that come out with bipolar or schizophrenia, right? That's when it sets in. A lot of times. At least what I've read. Yeah, a lot of times. So um, it's a crucial time maybe that you can make changes and reprogram some things Mm -hmm. that really need reprogramming. So Mm -hmm. what an incredible thing. Um, uh, I had like five other questions that I wanted to ask during that, but I kind of slipped out of it. So um, what else What else do we need to cover about it? I mean, I, I just hope that we're making it clear that it is accessible to people who feel like they're suffering. It's just a little scary. That's what I wanted to ask. I wanted to ask about how you deal with it with people that just say, oh my God, it's scary. Like I'm going to run screaming and go crazy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So that's a huge thing for most people. First off, to just validate of course, it's scary. It's scary for a lot of reasons. It's scary for a lot of people because it feels out of control. And it's also scary because a lot of people latch on to their illness and what happens when you're not depressed anymore or when you can let that go. But the great news is we have this amazing care team and it's probably the safest hour that you'll have all day for sure because you come in, you're really cared for. It's all controlled by you. And so it's this way to practice surrender in a very controlled environment with an escape hatch. And that's kind of how I explain it to people. That's so well put. Yeah. There's a paramedic with you at all, at all times. You're fully monitored. We're literally watching you sit in the dark, watching, you know, having your eye mask on, having your healing treatment. 
But if any time it gets too scary, there's somebody there. At first, they're very well trained. They'll just breathe. You're fine. You're safe. Nothing will go wrong. If it still feels too intense, we can slow. You're on an IV, so it's really controllable. We can slow down your rate, so it's like pumping the brakes. Can we kind of get you past this wave? If it still feels too scary, we can stop it immediately, and you're and you're done, and you're out of it, and you don't have to experience it anymore. But I'll tell you what that allows you to do is wade into surrender. And when you know you actually are in control of being able to escape, you almost never do. (laughs) Because it's just knowing that there's a possibility. And so you're able to really feel safe in that moment to to know that you're in a safe space, that you're ready to heal, that you're that you're okay with this happening. Yeah. And so it's just we have a really amazing team. Our our goal is just really, really high level patient care and to create a custom care plan for everybody. And that's the other thing is that there we do have a protocol that but it's loose and it has to do Yeah, with I'm not following how, it. Yeah. I'm doing something different. <laughs> exactly. Mm-hmm. How does your how does it work with your life? How do you metabolize the drug? How do you react afterward? You know, we can, we most of the time increase people's dose over time to find your sweet spot. For some people, that stays low the whole time. For some people, they walk it up. It neither is right. (laughs) It literally is creating what is going to be the best environment for you to heal. And that's everything from scheduling to time of day to dosing. And so that's created not only, it's really created with your feedback and it's empowering you to take back your health. And that is something that we do not teach people anymore when it comes to health. They rely on on medical professionals to tell them what what you're feeling and how you're feeling and how you're going to do things. And it's just very disempowering, especially in the mental health field. If you go into a psychiatrist and he said, your brain's broken, there's nothing you can do about it. You need to take these meds for the rest of your life because your dopamine receptors are off. Well, that's completely disempowering place to yeah, be. Yeah, you're just like, oh, man. <laughs> well, I guess right. my brain's broken. I guess yeah. there's nothing I can do about that. I mean, I mean, which which we are not against meds at all because a lot of times they are a stopgap to help get you through a hard time. But to really understand that there is a methodology and a way in which to actually heal your brain, to fix the parts of your brain that go dormant because of years of anxiety, depression, there's literally parts of your brain that start to atrophy and all ketamine does is turn those receptors all back on so that your brain can function in a healthy way again. And then it floods it with what's called BDNF, which is brain derived neurogrowth factor, which is a very fancy word to say the chemical that helps keep those neuropathways back on. So people are like, oh, well, you're on a drug. That's why you feel better. But it, that's why it's long-lasting. It turns those synapses back on, then floods your brain with neurogrowth factors so they stay on long-term. And so that's why you have these like, oh, my God, that thing that used to trigger me or that thing that I used to do that was so irritating about myself <laughs> that I know I shouldn't be doing. And all of a sudden you just have this like, oh, did you say I didn't do that right then? <laughs> yeah. And it really is like, that's me. That's what I'm doing. I can't even believe the changes that I'm seeing. I'm, it's life changing. Oh, I know. No, it really way. is. I know. It really, really is. Well, we're about out of time. Is there anything else that you'd like to share before we go? Yeah. Just, I just want to really empower everybody to, you know, take, take control of your life, you know, you deserve to be happy and healthy. 
That is not a state that is unattainable. Right. It is attainable. And I know that stepping into a new thing, especially kind of a fringe thing, might feel scary. But for, I would say, I'm not kidding, if you looked at our numbers, 90% of our patients, this is the number one transformational moment of their life. It is a pivot point. It is a thing that my life was going one way and now it is going somewhere else. And the, I mean, the tears that are shed in our office of, I had no idea that this state was even possible for me, that I'd forgotten what joy is, that I'd forgotten what connecting with my family was, that I'd forgotten what it meant to be happy. I wake up happy and dancing now every day. Unbelievable. Since, that, since I've done it. <laughs> It's, and not that I wasn't happy before, but it wasn't like it, I, I, I was suffering from the same thoughts in the mornings. And uh, I just I'm glad to be outspoken about it. So um, definitely check out uh, Illuma.com. That's I-L-L-U-M-M-A.com. It is here in Austin and you can access all the information. You have a wonderful Frequently Asked Questions segment on here too, uh, section, sorry, on your website. And so thank you so much, Allie, mm-hmm. for being here today. Oh, and if you enjoyed this, we're going to go a little bit deeper on my Rock Your Life show, which is going to be, I believe, episode 17, Rock Your Light. And that's, um, if you're listening to this in real time, it's coming out this Sunday, the 15th of March. So encourage people to listen to that because we're going to go deeper on that interview. So thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you, Allie. Illuma.com.